Scripture is found in John chapter 2, 23 through 315. Please turn and let us stand. Show respect to the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is Born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born to the flesh is flesh, and that which is born to the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And I think the best manuscript says the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again we come before you and thank you for your word. We pray that by the power of your spirit you would speak to us by your word. That we would see our Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up. And that hearing his voice, his sheep would know him and follow him. We pray that you would come and meet with each of us where we are and tell us exactly what we need to hear today. Whether it is a word of challenge and conviction, a word of comfort and encouragement, even a word of conversion, we pray that you would speak to us in our hearts and that we would hear you in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Death in a live man and life in a dead man. 
As you well know, the chapter and verse divisions were not original to the Scripture. They were added later, and they're extremely helpful for studying the Bible. But there are places where the versification can obscure the meaning of a passage. And that seems to be the case in the passage before us this morning. You see, there's no natural break between what we know as John 2 and John 3. And the theme of this well-known and beloved account of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in John 3 is actually stated in the last passage of John 2. Jesus, you remember, was still at the Passover where he had just cleansed the temple in the previous passage we saw last week. And while he was there, it says many believed in Jesus when they saw the signs that he was doing. But it says Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. What is in man? That's the issue in this passage. What is in man? Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus and Jesus knew what was in that man. And what Jesus exposes about Nicodemus is that though he is alive, inside he's dead. And so we see death in a live man. But if we keep on going, we'll find life in a dead man. Now let's look at it. First, in this passage, you see death in a live man. Look at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, under the first head of the message today, death in a live man, I want to look at two aspects of this man, Nicodemus. First, what anyone could see in him, and then what only Jesus could see in him. But first, what anyone could see in Nicodemus. First of all, anyone could see he was a Pharisee. It's the first thing the text says about him. He was a man of the Pharisees. Of course, the Pharisees were a minority sect of Judaism, but they were very influential. The origins of the Pharisees traced to the persecution of the Jews under the wicked Syrian ruler Antiochus Epiphanes who desecrated the temple in Jerusalem and forced the Jews to sacrifice pigs, unclean animals, to Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem and ordered the Jews to commit numerous other abominations. And the Pharisees came from the faithful Jews who held the line on pure religion and refused to adopt paganism, even resisting the pagans to the point of death. And so the Pharisees had become extremely scrupulous about the law of God. Now we know Jesus had plenty of criticism of the Pharisees, but still the Pharisees were one of the better sects of Judaism, if not the best. And we read that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Secondly, anyone could see that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. That's 
what it says. Likely he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest governing authority, the Jews, which had become increasingly powerful under the Roman system. Thirdly, anyone could see that Nicodemus was a reasonable man. Look at verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. There were few Pharisees, you know, and even fewer members of the council who were in any way open to the possibility that Jesus was legitimate. But Nicodemus has observed the miracles Jesus has done. And Nicodemus has concluded that Jesus must be from God, not confessing that Jesus is God here, the Word made flesh and dwelt among us, but Nicodemus does believe that Jesus is a true teacher that God has called and empowered. You know, that makes Nicodemus the most reasonable ruler and the most reasonable member of the Sanhedrin we ever meet in the Gospel of John. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee, he's a ruler, he's a reasonable man. Fourth, anyone can see that Nicodemus was an old man. When Jesus tells him that people must be born again, how does Nicodemus respond? Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, I'm an old man. Fifthly, anyone could see that Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. He's the main one. He's the best one. He's the highest, most respected authority in all Judaism. Everyone trusts Nicodemus. Now, do you see the picture John is painting here of Nicodemus? He's an old man. He's a wise old man. He's a dignified old man. He's a respected old man, and don't overlook this. He's a sweet old man. The rest of the council wants to get rid of Jesus. They perceive Jesus as a threat to their power, and they just as well kill him. But Nicodemus is not like that at all. He's not the old guard clutching power and feeling threatened by every new thing that comes along. He is a reasonable man. Now this Nicodemus is a very likable person. He's a respectable person. He's an honorable person and he at least seems to be a very spiritual person. You respect his wisdom and seek his advice and insight into things. You know I'm at that point, putting names with faces, trying to get around, visit, get to know people, going through the church directory over and over again, and it's dated and it doesn't have all your pictures in it, but I'll do the best I can. Go over the shepherding list with each of the elders, 
going over the names, finding out about who you are. You know, all that just comes with the territory of being a new preacher. And you know it dawned on me, all preachers do it. At least the one who care about people do it. But we never come out and say it. You know what we're doing? We're trying to figure out who we need to be worried about. And I'm figuring out who I need to be worried about. I was pretty worried about, I was pretty bad worried about half this congregation about 9 o'clock last night. But Nicodemus would be one of those that you would think, I don't need to worry about him. He's the best I got. He's the best member of this church. They don't come any better than Nicodemus. Now that's what anyone could see in Nicodemus. But now let's look at what Jesus could see in Nicodemus. Look at verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see how Jesus cuts right to the point. Nicodemus doesn't even get to ask him a question, but Jesus knows what is in man. Jesus sees with x-ray vision what is in Nicodemus' soul. And Jesus sees, first of all, that Nicodemus is blind. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. The kingdom of God. And Nicodemus would have expected to see the kingdom of God at the end of the world. But Jesus is telling him he can't see it now. And indeed he cannot. The kingdom of God is there in Nicodemus' presence. In the person of the king of the kingdom, Jesus himself. Now Nicodemus can see the miracles. He can see that Jesus is sent from God, yet he is blind to the ultimate reality that he's in the presence of a king. Jesus sees that Nicodemus is blind. Secondly, Jesus says, sees that Nicodemus needs cleansing. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does he mean, born of water and the Spirit? You know, when Jesus says to Nicodemus, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? The point is that everything Jesus is saying to him is in the Old Testament. Nicodemus is supposed to be an authority on the Old Testament. Well, the Old Testament talks about being born of water and the Spirit. As found in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel, you might want to turn there and see it and find Ezekiel 
If you hold your place in John and then go to the very middle page of the Bible, you'd be in Psalms. And then if you went halfway between that and John, you will be in Ezekiel. Maybe that made it worse. (laughs) Ezekiel chapter 36. And look at verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's what Jesus is referring to. God said he would change his people's heart. He would give them a new heart, put his spirit in them, and he says, I'll sprinkle clean water on them and cleanse them from all their uncleanness and idolatry. The water, you see, is a, it's a metaphor. It's a, it's a picture. The Lord is going to cleanse his people's souls from their idols, their false gods, and the things they love in the place that belongs to God and God alone. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to be cleansed from your idols. So Nicodemus is blind. He needs cleansing. Thirdly, Jesus and only Jesus sees that Nicodemus lacks understanding. He lacks understanding. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. So now the teacher of Israel, the top line, according to Jesus, lacks a basic understanding of God and his ways, even the teaching of the Bible that they had to that point, the Old Testament. He lacks understanding. Fourthly, Jesus sees that Nicodemus has not accepted his testimony. Look at verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. It's not simply a matter of a lack of understanding. It is a lack of understanding. But more than that, Nicodemus hasn't just misunderstood Jesus. He has rejected his testimony. Jesus sees that Nicodemus is blind. He needs cleansing. He lacks understanding. He's rejected Jesus' testimony. And fifthly, Jesus sees, and only Jesus can see, that Nicodemus is outside the kingdom of God. Look at verse 5 again. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, that means now, at this point, Nicodemus is outside the kingdom. Now look at verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus has been talking about earthly things. How to enter the kingdom of God now on this earth. Jesus says if you can't understand that, I can't even bother with heavenly things. In other words, if you are out of the kingdom of God now, 
on this earth, you will be out of the kingdom of God in the end, in heaven. So now on deeper reflection, it looks like we do, in fact, need to be worried about this wise, well-respected, and sweet old man. You see, Jesus sees what is really inside of us. And though Nicodemus is a prince among men, Jesus sees that on the inside, he's dead. You see death in a live man. But now secondly, you see life in a dead man. Look at verse 3. Again, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Telling him he needs to be born again, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he needs life. He needs new life. He needs it because he is dead in his soul. And I want us to look at the life he needs and then how to get it. Now the life he needs. First, Jesus says it is a sovereign work of God. Nicodemus is absolutely powerless to help himself. He can't even see the kingdom he needs to enter prior to this new birth. And think of the picture Jesus paints. Birth. In less than a month, God willing, I'll be there. Like I was at the birth of my first three, holding my wife's hand and witnessing the birth of my fourth child, my second son. It's a miracle. Easy for Papa to say it's a miracle. <laughs> the baby doesn't have any idea. What's going on? He had to be born before he could see. Mama did all the work. And I expect many of you know that the word again can also mean from above. So is Jesus saying you must be born again or you must be born from above? Well, we go through John, we'll see that generally when John records something that could go in more than one way, he means them all. We must be born again and it must come from above. It is from the top down. It's a sovereign work of God. Secondly, the life Nicodemus needs is something he cannot control. Look at verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The new birth is like the wind. You can hear it, you can feel it, but you cannot control it. I attended and graduated from Appalachian State University, and I did not know what wind was until I moved to Boone, North Carolina, in those high mountains. And it always started snowing on Halloween Day every school year. 
and it kept snowing from Halloween till spring break. In the early spring semester, walking across campus to get to class, and it was common for the temperature to be in the teens and some form of frozen precipitation in the air, but what made it just about unbearable was that wind up in those mountains. And there really were a few times walking across Sanford Mall when I wondered, am I going to make it to class today or is this wind going to beat me down? I promise the Lord if it got me out of there alive with a degree, I'd never complain about being hot again no matter what I did. I kept my word to this day. But you can't control the wind. And we can no more control the new birth of the Spirit of God than we can control the wind. So the life Nicodemus needs is a sovereign work of God. It's something he can't control. Thirdly, it comes from the Holy Spirit. We saw in verse 8 that like the wind is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus needs the Holy Spirit to bring the life of God down into his soul. He was born once according to the flesh, but he was born with a dead spirit cut off from the life of God. And if you've missed it, this is an argument from the greater to the lesser. You see, in Nicodemus, John is showing us a man who is better than we are. And he's saying this man is in bad shape. The patient is dead. He needs nothing less than a divine miracle or else he's going to live outside the kingdom of God and he's going to die outside the kingdom of God. And friends, this man is better than we are. And so every one of us must be born. That's the life Nicodemus needs and the life we need. Now, lastly, how to get it. The new birth is a sovereign work of God's Spirit, but nowhere does the Bible say to just wait around on the Spirit to move. First of all, the new birth is given by Jesus. Look at verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, which is in heaven. I know that sounds weird to us, but the point is there were teachers in that day who claimed that they would be taken up to heaven and given a divine revelation. And, and Jesus is saying they're charlatans. Only I have authority to tell you about the new birth and the kingdom of God. Not because I was an earthly man caught up into heaven, but because I am the man from heaven. That's where I came from. And I have the authority to tell you and give you the life that you need. And then lastly, Jesus tells us, to believe in him. Look at verse 14. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's direct reference to Numbers 21. Jonathan read it earlier in the service. You remember the children of Israel complained about the food in the wilderness. They complained against God. They complained against Moses. And the Lord got tired of the complaining. And he punished them. He sent fiery serpents, poisonous snakes to bite the people. And when they bit them, they died. And the people then confessed their sin. And they asked Moses, pray to the Lord for mercy. And he did. And God told Moses to make a fiery serpent and put it up on a standard and raise the standard. And if anyone is bitten and looks to the snake on the standard, he will live. So we read Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and raised it up. If a serpent bit anyone he would look to the bronze serpent and live now what was going on the snake was the problem the snake was the curse the snake was what was killing the people and if you'd been snake bit like Nicodemus though you were alive you would have death inside and it would only be a matter of time and when the thing that was killing the people was lifted up on the pole when the people saw it they lived and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life you see Jesus was lifted up on a standard on the cross and the thing that's killing us our sin is laid on him it was sin in the garden that cut man off from the life of God and it was because of sin that God withdrew his presence and spirit and banished us from his presence and it's because of sin that we came into this world dead on arrival and as the snake was lifted up on the standard so our sin was laid on the holy son of God on the cross and all the eternal death and hell and estrangement and alien nation from God where due for our sins fell on him and so the way is clear all who will look to the son on the cross and believe shall not die but have eternal life his death restores our life. And so, my friends, look at this and see death in a live man. But so much more. Look and find life in a dead man. In the name of the Father, Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.